the Lord laid upon my heart several weeks ago was the concept of placement. And when I was looking at your picture and the Lord said to tell everybody, you guys all have a seat at the table. Isn't that awesome? That's good news. Especially if you're hungry. Right? So, wow, it's good to see everybody. Um, it's pretty cool what's happening right now. Um, I don't know what your, your house is like. At our house, we're, we're constantly talking about spiritual things and what we're hearing from the Lord and what the Holy Spirit's doing. And uh, we are truly coming into a time of placement like we've never been before. And uh, I kind of feel heavy with this tonight. I, I, I can't describe it to you. It's not heavy burdensome. It's just heavy. Just, just, just I feel like I'm carrying something very heavy. So for the next several weeks, um, I, I believe that I'm going to be giving you some truth that I am discovering myself in this transition of 2024. I'm not, I'm not a big guy into, you know, prophesying 2024 words. Uh, there's a couple of things I've mentioned to my staff um, in this, this mentality place of placement. Um, in order to have placement properly, you have to go to a place of misplacement, stuff you've put in the wrong place and remove it and place it with the correct place. Replace something else there. And this is what placement's about. And um, it's not that, you know, God loves us. We're his sons and daughters of God. And so um, I, I just really feel like God is, is positioning the church now. And you've heard me over the last several years just talk about awakening. I believe God is positioning us in a place of um, divine revelation concerning sonship. When I say sonship, ladies, I mean both sonship and daughters of God. So I'm not going to say sonship and daughters of God every time I say that. So in, in sonship. And uh, it's, it's a very powerful place. And it's a very powerful, let me say it this way. It's a very powerful invitation that's being offered to us right now in the kingdom. Um. It, it's going to be a challenging individual process for us. And, and, and I know this sounds heavy. It's not a bad thing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a gloom and doom guy, okay? I just believe that God is, is speaking louder now than he's ever spoken before. And I don't know what your prayer times are like, but when I sit down and I'm soaking and I'm asking the Lord for words, it's just like, it's like he's talking fast forward. And, and when I'm typing or I'm writing or I'm noting, it's, just, it's like it's everything I can do as fast as I can write to what the Holy Spirit is wanting to say to us. We are in a time of, um, uh, I'm trying to say this softly, but I'm not a super negative. I don't believe in you know, negative necessarily prophetic. But I believe that we are living in a time where um, idols are going to be removed. And I said to my staff last week, and, and once again, you know, I'll say this and you can take it for what it's, what it's worth to you. I, I believe we're coming into a season of such personal engagement that's going to be needed that there's actually going to be a silence to a lot of the prophetic, not prophecy. I think there's going to be a silence of not every prophet across the nation, but I think there is going to be somewhat of a level of silence that's going to come over a lot of prophets. And the reason for that is, and, and this is what I'm just hearing in the Spirit, and then I'll get into this truth. And I, I wasn't going to say, but the Holy Spirit, you better say this. I said, okay. Um, 
The reason for that is, and you know and I know, how do you know that we can make idols of people and put our faith in them for the word for us, but not the Holy Spirit? Now, I don't believe, I'm not saying the prophet ministry is coming to an end. I'm not saying every prophet's going to be silent. But I think we are coming into a season where um, the process of understanding the prophetic is going to be different. Let me put it this way. You see this book? From Genesis to Revelation, this whole book is prophetic. And if you need a prophetic word from God, it's here. Once again, I'll have a prophet. I'll have prophets come in throughout the year. I'll be sensitive to that. But I'm just saying it's not going to be like the season we've previously had. And, and if you, you know, just go back to the Old Testament, right? You got one guy prophesying, 10 other prophets saying, what do you hear? Just what he said. And then you hear this one guy over here, he's being thrown in a sewer because he's given the correct prophecy. The ratio of the prophetic in the Old Testament was like one to every 250 false prophets. I'm not preaching against false prophets. I just think we get our eyes focused on the wrong thing. And I think what's, what can bring damage to a body, and I'm not talking about our church, to the body of Christ is when we get to a place where we depend everybody else for a word from us except the Holy Spirit and his divine voice to us individually for ourselves. And so I already feel a little lighter because I must have had to release that or something. I don't know. So um, now I can put my love on and share the rest of this. So, and, and once again, you take that, process it, ask the Lord what, what that looks like for you. We have a prophet of the house. She's given us a word. I believe she's going to have words. I still believe in prophecy, which is just simply exhortation, encouragement. And we're, we're going to be doing a lot of that. So I want to talk about placement and... Um, in order to do that, we have to first look at the concept of misplacement. And so I want to start with, uh, you know, if you're, if you're like me and you're in your 50s, have you ever misplaced something? Anybody ever misplaced something? Right? If I could lose weight as easy and as often as I lose my keys, I would be so skinny it would be scary. And this is how you tell when you start to get older. Have you ever taken something and put it in your safe place and forgot where your safe place was? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? So I'm in my 50s and I'm starting to discover that my superpower is losing things. It's my superpower. If I had one, that's what it looked like. So I misplace things all the time. And listen, sometimes in the kingdom, we don't necessarily lose truth. We don't lose revelation, but sometimes we just misplace it. We don't put it in the place of value or power that it's meant to be placed in. I've done it. I think we've all done it, where we get focused so much on the wrong thing that we actually miss the key value of what it is that sustains us into the season or the journey that we're doing with God. And so sometimes that's a very challenging thing. When God deposits truth and encounter in you, he never takes anything back. He leaves them there, hoping at some point you'll call those things forth and get the revelation of what that experience and what that truth was all about in your life. And so here's the first thing. You got to stop beating yourself up for not being where you think you should be spiritually. 
Let me say it again. You have to stop beating yourself up for where you think you should be spiritually that you're not. But actually, in reality, because you have Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit, connecting to your life, you are that. Somehow we get distracted and we get our eyes and our thought and our mind and our words on the wrong things. We begin to develop a language and a thought process and a lens that's so contrary. And it's not because we're evil or wicked. I believe it's just because we've misplaced some things in the wrong place. And God's saying, I need you to shift that out of here and I need you to put this back in here. This is the place of value. This is the place of priority. So here's my goal, and I believe this is our staff's goal, is to give you some truth that will freshly challenge you into a different level of your sonship. We're not developing anything. We're challenging you to discover the next level of sonship that God has for you in this year. What does that look like for you? Let me ask you this question. What spiritual goals or hungers have you planned for 2024? I'm sure we've all planned things for 24. Well, I like to go here. I like to do this. I like to lose weight. I like to do this. Better with my finances. Better with this. Better with... What spiritual focus have you sat back and said, hey, Lord, I'd like to walk this out with you this year. I'd like to hear your voice more clearly. I'd like to sense your presence more clearly. My heart is not to preach more sermons this year. My heart is to partner with the Holy Spirit and equip you to live in a place of sonship and daughter-like with God that you are actually walking out to a level the fullness of what that looks like in your own personal life. This is not a year of seeking gifts. This is a year of seeking the heart of the Father. What do you mean, Pastor? When you seek the heart of the Father, gifts automatically show up. Just the process. And so I, it's about aligning ourselves. It's about positioning ourselves. And so the Lord began to speak to me about three, about six weeks ago, probably a little longer now. I was just sitting having that dialogue conversation with the Lord. You know, Lord, why am I having such a hard time of understanding who I am in you? Anybody else go through that process at all? If you've got that nailed down, let's have coffee because you need to show me what that looks like. So, Lord, like, why am I not fully getting this truth? And why is my lifestyle of that not being what I think it should be or what your word says it should be? And here's what he simply said to me. He said, it's an issue of placement and misplacement. Let me just say this. I believe in supernatural gifts, but here's what the Lord told me. Placement and misplacement. Listen to this. It's not demonic. What's keeping you from that is not demonic. I'm speaking to sons and daughters of God here. Right? It's not that you can't have it. And it's not that that's not who you are or able to be. It's simply that you've put some things in a certain place that are not supposed to be there. And they need to be replaced, taken out of that place, put in their place so you can walk through with the proper focus, lens, thoughts, language, mind. I, I, me and Noah have talked about some of the stuff that I'm going to be sharing. 
this has, this has rocked me um, so much that I really feel like, um, for me, it's going to be a major identity shift for my own life. Outside my calling, pastoral, whatever you want to call it, for me, it has nothing to do with that. So let me give you a definition of misplaced. It means to put in a wrong or inappropriate place. It means to set on a wrong, uh, uh, on a wrong object, to set your focus on a wrong object. So it's something else that when you view it, it stirs this particular emotion in you. And I, I used to have to have ask myself all the time, Father, so why am I looking for something to stir me, to lead me into this emotion that I feel like I have to have with you? Why can't I just come in and say, hey, Father, and instantly I'm into presence? And sometimes we look for something that causes this emotional, a physical feeling, and, and all that stuff is great. Once again, I'm not talking about supernatural stuff. I'm talking about our dependence and where we are right now in our evaluation of what it takes for us to have presence encounters with God. Presence encounters with God. It's when we depend sometimes on the wrong thing, mentally, mentally. So I want to talk to you about kingdom lifestyle. There's three things, right? Misplaced mindset, misplaced worship, and misplaced identity. Misplaced mindset, uh, mindset misplaced worship, and misplaced identity. And when I was sitting with the Lord, and I'd love to say the Lord told me, you have all that. You don't have any of that. But he didn't say that. He said, when I was asking this question, why can't I figure out what this really looks like so I can walk this out? The Lord said, this is, this is the issue. You've got some misplaced mind, mindsets, you've got some misplaced worship, and you've got some misplaced identity. And it's easy to say we're not religious, but there's a small part of us that goes back into striving and working for some place in God, which is actually unbelief. If you're striving and working for a position in God that's intimate and powerful and in fullness, you're, you're actually moving in unbelief. What that says is, I doubt who you say I am and I doubt who you say you are for me. So I have to do something to earn that or motivate that in my life. And God wants to totally eliminate that from our life and he wants to pull us into this place of intimacy like we've never been before. And sometimes we have to get our mind off of the other things that we've been so focused on. I hear people all the, time, all the time say, man, I just need a word from the Lord. I wish so-and-so would give me a word. You ever heard anybody say that? Hey, can you give me a word? Hey, can you pray for me to be healed? You're really not a master at prophecy until you actually can prophesy over your own self. How many of you have prophesied over your own self? I love it. Come on. Think about it. How hard is it to say, this is who Jesus says I am. This is the gold Jesus says I have in me. But we, we are constantly connected. And I'm not saying these things are, 
are, are ceasing. They're not going away. I feel like the Holy Spirit's just having me bring attention to them. I'm so glad that I'm married and I don't have to have a relationship with six other women in the womb to know I have a healthy relationship with my wife. Emotionally. Get your mind out of the gutter. Emotionally. If, if I have to go around and have my emotional relationship of covenant fulfilled with other women in my conversation and, and encouraging me and, and speaking without dealing with that, with the intimate relationship that I already have, don't you think it kind of throws covenant out of balance a little bit? I think it does. So God is, is getting us back to this place of placement. Now, here's what placement means. It's positioning yourself in the suitable place, in the suitable place. It's like accurately, I said this word on, uh, this, this is when this actually, this word really hit me. The title of the series was going to be called Misplacement. The Lord said, call it placement. This is, what, this is the definition of placement, actual definition. It's like accurately hitting a ball that the opponent cannot return. So when we get ourselves in the proper place, here's what happens. The very thing that happens in us and, and comes out of us, there's nothing the enemy can do with it because he doesn't know how to process it. He can't catch it. He can't stop it. He can't return it. He can't shut it down. He can't keep it from functioning. And this is one of my favorite verses. And, and, and uh, you know, I don't know about you, the Lord will give me a verse sometime. It'll take me a year and a half to dissect it. So this is my verse. I don't know if it's your verse. This is the verse to message from Facebook. He said, Jamie, I want Acts 17, 28 to be the new placement lifestyle for you in 2024. Acts 17 and 28. It's going to be one of mindset, worship, and identity. That's the place I want you to live from. This is the verse, Acts 17, 28, the Passion Translation. I'm going to unpack the verse a little bit for you because it's important that you see this in the Greek and the way Paul was writing. It says, it, it is through him that we live and function and have our identity. This is mindset, worship, and identity. These three things, mindset, worship, and identity. The most important part of this verse is not all this, these three beautiful functions, live, move, have our being. The most powerful part of this verse is through him. It's through him. We've got to get back to him. That word him is otos, O-W-T-O-S. It means those. It's the fullness of Trinity. It's actually talking about the Godhead. And it means air or to blow in and blow on. I was sitting over here and, and the Lord just said to me, he said, take a couple deep breaths and I don't know if you've ever been for a lung exam. Anybody been in a lung exam and they make you take a deep breath and then they blow, 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 blow hard till you pass out and then they wake you up and say, let's do it again. You ever had that done? So I was sitting over the Lord and said, take a deep breath as long as you can and blow it out. And this is what he said. This is what I want to do in the spirit right now. I want to blow so hard in my people and blow so hard on my people that it's actually going to be transformational and they're going to discover that I am myself the breath that sustains them. I am the spirit. As a matter of fact, there's three definitions for the spirit in the New Testament. 
One of them is breath. To breathe on. And I don't know how much you spend time with the Lord. I hope you do. I believe most of you do. But when I get in the spirit, I literally feel like I'm hooked up to this machine and God is breathing something into me. He said, I am your breath source. If I am not placed in the most important position in your life, you will have a shortage of oxygen to every part, every other part, your mindset, your worship, and your identity. This is so simple. It's, it's like, I'm not giving you deep revelation. I'm just recalling your attention to something. Then he says this, it's through him that we live. Now listen to this, this word live is a lifestyle. It literally means his design for living. Here's what the Lord said to me, he said, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to connect to me in this season for the design of how you're going to do life in 2024. What does that look like? Engaging with the Holy Spirit constantly. Engaging with him over and over and over again. Finding his design. Then he says, and function. This is the acts of what it looks like when we are focused on him. He's breathing in us and we're starting to walk out this lifestyle. Acts is what the lifestyle looks like. It's the motivation that stirs or creates the momentum. When he's breathing, there's something happens in you. It's like a different level of oxygen. It's a heavenly, it's a spiritual oxygen that encourages you to move in different ways. It encourages you to just step out in faith. It increases your faith. Listen to this. There is, I know, I know we talk about, I pray for Josh, he gets healed, it grows my faith. The greatest place for your faith to grow is with your personal encounters with the Spirit. It's the spirit that breathes into your faith. A couple of weeks, I'm going to be teaching on your heart, your mind, and your spirit and how there's, it's impossible for us to become who we're called to be unless we individually are having engagements with the Holy Spirit. If this is your only meal, that breaks my heart. If this is your only worship experience, that breaks my heart. If this is the only place you get to exercise your gifts, that breaks my heart. What do I have need of? What a great song. So it says you'll function, and this word, next word I love, it says it's through him we live and function and have. Here's the concept you got to get. Everything you need, you already have. It's not like you're having to go after anyone. The word have here in the Greek means to have. It means in possession. It means privilege and entitlement. You're already an heir. That's what this is about. Have is about an heir. You're already an heir. You're a joint heir. You already have it. But this word also means to exhibit or show. It's an action word. He says to have our identity. This is the thing. 
And then I'm going to talk about this. You already have been pre-established. If you weren't here the Sunday I preached on, you're known. You're already pre-established. This is how we have our identity. Some translations said this is how we exist. We live, we move, we have our being. This is bad English, but you already be. You just got to discover what be looks like. You, you already existed. Your identity already existed because of what Jesus has done. If you don't see the necessity of your focus and the placement of him being the priority in your life, you'll miss the power of existence. The word exist here in the Hebrew or be means continue to be. Here's what he's saying. In me, in him is how we continue to be. Now listen, you can't tell me a healthy, pure God intended your whole spiritual walk to look like this. I'm not saying it doesn't rain on the just and on the unjust. What I'm saying is even if it's raining on us and we feel unjust, we still can walk like this. Especially if we have the right mind and the focus. Especially if our worship has developed a place where we begin to see ourselves according to this intimate relationship. Listen to me. I have access to the throne room anytime I want. I don't need a piano player to come back me up at the house when I want to get into the throne room. Hey, Brian, you can come over for an hour. I want to meet with God. I'm so glad. And the problem that we don't access it is because we've got this mentality and these other minds and thoughts and processes in place that are misplaced. God's getting us back to placement. How would you get healed if you were on the planet alone? Who would pray for you? What are we going to do? What would we do in 2024 if all of a sudden the prophets become silent? Who would you look to for your word? Same Holy Spirit that resides in them is the same Holy Spirit that resides in me. I'm not telling you not to lift the prophets. Don't, don't ever think that. Not what I'm, I'm not even disqualifying the prophets. I'm just saying we're being refocused. If you have a family, just two, and I mean by family, just two people, you should be prophesying over each other constantly. You should be able to get a word for your spouse. So this is the shift that God has us in. That staying in him placement. See, placement actually takes, um, requires value. If I was to go around the room and say, what's your greatest value? Some of you, we'd all have, you know, my kids, my career, my finances, my health. We'll have things we put value on, right? And here's what we do. We kind of put them separately over here, right? We're a Christian. We, we believe that God can bless us, but we actually, we, we've, departmentalized it. Well, how can you say that? Because I know sometimes I'm not talking to the spirit about my finances. 
I'm not talking to the spirit about my children. I'm not talking to the spirit about my investments. I'm not talking to the spirit about what my life looks like daily. I'm not talking uh, to the spirit about what I let into my brain and through my eye gate and through my mouth gate and out of my mouth gate, out of my mouth gate. I'm not engaging in the spirit. So I've departmentalized it and I put this walk of myself with him over here. And this over here, every now and then if I get in trouble, I'll engage with this over here. That's not really being in him. That's just enjoying a part of him. What if the Holy Spirit could speak to every one of us in here? And I'm not prophesying this. I'm just it's illustration. And you could take it as a prophecy if you want. What if the Holy Spirit could speak to every one of us in here and every one of us could be millionaires by the end of the year? Would that be fun? Okay. Would that be fun? All right, okay. I got some agreement over here. How about if he could point you to the right stock, the right building, the right investment, the right place to put your seed? What about if he could, if, if, if he just... You know, my dream, this is my dream, okay? I want to go to the children's hospital in Atlanta because when I was at Calhoun, I was there a lot. I remember the first time I went, I don't know if you've ever been there, St. What is it? St. Joseph, what's it called? They take money, what's it called? What is it? Yeah. No, there's another one too. They advertise all the time. St. Jude's, that's the one I was in. So I, the first time I go to St. Jude's, Jerry comes to me. Jerry Rice says, I need you to go to St. Jude's and pray for some kid that's there. So I, I've never been to St. Jude's. I've been doing all kinds of hospital visiting. So I'm walking. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's terrible. So I walk into St. Jude's and I'm walking on the floor. Every child room has glass windows. So when you're walking down the hall, you just see cancer, 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 baby after baby, child after child. No matter what floor you're on, it's just cancer, 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 cancer. My first time, I remember going into the janitor's closet, shutting the door and sitting on the floor and weeping. And I remember saying to the Lord, I want there to be a time when I'm able to walk these floors and bring Jesus' healing power to these kids. That has to do with placement. I'm not earning. I'm discovering something about him that's so powerful that it affects me. It's a time of divine truth. The Lord keeps telling me I'm going to lead you into truth. Now, this is Acts 17 where I read earlier. Let me take you back because it's, it's really easy to read Acts 17 and 28 and say, well, this is pretty cool. In him we have, we live, we move, we have our being. Just let me give you a little bit more of the, of the, the chapter. Let me go back to 25. Now watch this. This is Paul writing. It says, he supplies life and breath and all things to every living being. He doesn't lack a thing that we mortals could supply for him. For he has all things and everything we need and that he needs. From one man, Adam, he made every man and woman and every race of humanity. And he spread us all over the earth. He set the boundaries of people and nations, determining their appointment 
and their appointed times in history. He has done this. Watch this now. This is powerful because you've got to know what this is leading up to, why Paul says this statement. He has done this so that every person would long for God. What does your longing look like? Where's that hunger? If I was to say, testify to that, what's it look like? And I'm talking about what was happening to me. He has done this so that every person would long for God, feel their way to him and find him. Now watch this next statement. For he is the God who is easily discovered. Now listen to this. We have made this so complicated. Do you know, I think about Darlene throughout the whole day. Uh, it's not that kind of, that's not what I'm looking for. I just want you to know in my consciousness, Darlene will tell you if I'm out, before I go home, hey, you want me to pick something up? I'm Walmart, hey, you need something? I'm always thinking about Darlene. I'll even text her from the hunting blind. Me and Noah text each other from the hunting blinds. There's a constant engagement that goes on. It's not rocket science. Intimacy makes it easy to discover. That's why he, him, has to be the top of our list. You do it how you do it. Soak, journal, read your Bible, do whatever it is. Just don't make it religious. Get into it. Don't go after it because pastor said we got to do this. Ask God to rekindle your longing for him. Why? Because he's easily found. You know, he said, if you seek me, you'll what? You know the original translation of that is, right? It's not seek me because I'm lost. It's like when Noah was five years old and we'd play hide and go seek, I would hide to be found. I wouldn't hide. I wouldn't climb in the attic and shut the door and go back and jump in a box. Noah's over here and we'd play hide and seek and I would hide over here. And he would automatically run around and go, found you, and I'd go, ah! There's nothing complicated about your experience with God. The only thing that messes with it is when you have that in a misplaced area of your life where something else has been placed in an area where it's become more important somehow to us. I don't think we, we would do it with our mind or our thinking. I think it just happens. There's a lot in 2024 that, you know, we have our hopes in, we have our minds consumed with. And the Lord just told me plainly, he says, stop doing that. Focus on me. Let that go. Focus on me. No, Jamie, it's not demonic. No, it's not sin. It's not wickedness. You're not bad. I don't not love you. I love you the same no matter what. I just want to be placed back on the throne of your life. And your throne is your heart. 
We'll all have a tendency to look for fulfillment in other places. And then he says this, for he is the God who is easily discovered. Here's the value of that. Here's the value of that statement. Ready? Because it's through him that we live and we function and we have our identity. And he ends with this. It's so beautiful. Just as your own poets have said, our lineage, most translations, you know, they say something else. Some say origin. The Passion Translate says our lineage comes from him. Now, that word lineage is powerful. It's a precursor. What's that mean, Pastor? A substance or a cell or a cellular component, listen to this, from which another substance or cell or cellular component is formed. That means that you actually were created by him. He's your precursor. He is your real father. I'm Noah's father, but he has a greater father than this father. The discovery of that is actually incredible. It also means predecessor. That means a person who has previously occupied a position or office to which another has succeeded. All of this is about so I can become an heir and a joint heir and walk that out in my life. And here's the good news. It's already been established. Listen, I, when I grew up in church, I didn't have that revelation. I thought I was having to create things like God was saying, okay, now you're doing good. I'm going to get, oh, now you're doing good. I'm going to give you that. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that for you. I had to get away. I just could never figure out how to do it. God says, that's already happened. That's already who you are. All you've got to do is step into the place of in him. And all that unfolds. It's cool to sit back and watch your kids and realize, oh my gosh, they've got some of me in them. You can say, oh, Noah's just like you, Pastor. Oh my gosh. And then they meet Darlene and go, oh my gosh, Noah's just like his mother. And I say, not really, he's like his father. Placement. Listen to this definition of placement. I love it. Placement is to assign something or someone in a position different or higher than another. It is the idea of giving someone or something its suitable place. It's not, about, it's not about you having other things in your life. It's about the suitable place of what you put in your life. Let me give you an example. It's like being married. If I don't put Darlene in the proper place, the suitable position above my job, my ministry, my callings, my hobbies, even my children. Jesus said in Luke, you should hate your mother, your father. Which King James is pretty harsh. It's not really written that strong. But you, you don't hate your father and mother and your children and your brothers. You know, he goes on. What he's actually talking about is placement. He's not saying hate them. He's saying, just be very cautious because even them before me can create an issue. (laughs) 
when I got saved, I, uh, I was engaged to a girl, and I got saved, and she got saved the same time. It wasn't Darlene. It was somebody else. And uh, maybe something you don't know about me. Anyway, um, I was wanting to serve the Lord, and she was wanting to serve the Lord and still party. And uh, for a season there, I was like, okay, I guess we can serve the Lord. And you know, you use that. We'll just shine our light at the party. It didn't happen a lot. We shined something, but it wasn't a light. <laughs> and I realized, listen to this, that I was now being led by her. And it was so unhealthy because it was interfering with my relationship with Jesus. I wasn't married yet. So if I was going to do something, I had to do it quick. Literally. And I was pretty set in my ways. I had some pretty different focuses. And I know what you're thinking. Well, so what happened? We were driving down the road one day. And she said to me, you know, when we get married, you're going to have to quit hunting. And I said, let me see that ring. And I rolled down the window. And I threw it out. And dropped her off. That was one of my very serious bad focuses. Hunting over her. I should never have gotten engaged to begin with if that was the case. I'm used to how sometimes our focus can be mixed, mixed up and, 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 and thrown off. So it's, it's like a relationship with your, if, if wealth is more and finances and success and, and all this is more important to you. Listen, they do not rob you of the fact that you're married. They just rob you of the fullness of what that looks like. It robs you of what, of what that incompleteness and what covenant meant to look like should look like in a healthy way. You're still married. You just have some things in the wrong place. You, you not placing God in the wrong place affects him in any way, shape, or form. He's who he is on his part. But on my part, it affects me. You can't tell me not having a prayer life don't affect you. Not spending time in the Holy Spirit don't affect you. They're not works. They're intimate engagements. It's connecting to the voice of God. And the greatest aspect of your walk with the Father is one of placement, priority, and position. Mentally and in worship and identity. And it's more of a suitable place. It's all about being suitable. It's all about priority. The word suitable is matching the value of proper purpose and placement. And it has to do with being able and qualified, which you already are. You're not striving for anything. And putting things in their proper place to live in the fullness of what that thing brings. And for us in him, it equals sonship. When I grew up, it's just fishing or cutting wood. That's your choices. And I've never been to sea where somebody leaves the steering wheel unmanned. And I can be out 100 miles at sea with nothing, no islands, no buoys, nothing in sight, and there still is always somebody at the helm. They're always there managing the wheel. Like, what are we going to hit out here? We're 100 miles in the middle of the ocean. It's the value. 
And the simplest thing sometimes can cause us to be misplaced. Here's a great example. I don't know if you've been in some of these new cars. They're like rocket ships. They got a screen this big. I would do no good because I'd be watching movies everywhere I went. No joke. I would. They got a screen this big, comes up out of the thing, your seat adjusts, and all of a sudden you're getting a massage, and you're almost half asleep, and you're driving down the road. And so you decide not to drive, so you flick a switch, and the car drives. And you got all these components and all these elements, and it's just, it's an incredible thing to see. But take out the battery. And what's the good of it all? Something so small and so simplistic. You take out the battery, none of that stuff is going anywhere. And what we do with truth sometimes is we downplay it, we downsize it. The greatest thing I used to hear all the time from people when I first got in ministry, you know, they say, yeah, yeah it's easy for you to pray and spend time with the Lord. You know, you're, you're in ministry. I said, no, you're mistaken. I work full-time job. I'm 9, 12 hours a day in a warehouse, fish plant, and still doing full-time ministry for the first probably 10 to 9 years of my life, working full-time, doing full-time ministry. I never underappreciate the fact that I get to do ministry and do it as a living. I've never have. It's one of the greatest blessings on the planet. But I used to say this all the time. Well, how do you pray? I said, I get up earlier. I go to work at eight and I get up at seven. How do you spend time with the Lord? I have lots of time. I go at lunchtime, sit and have my sandwich, read my Bible, spend time with the Holy Spirit. Night before I go to bed, I shut my door and put on worship music and go into worship. It has nothing to do with what we're doing. It has to do with value. It has to do with hunger. Right? We, we can arrange the things in our lives sometime incorrectly where what's in one place is not actually the suitable place. And here's what I see in the kingdom. Listen to this. I see in the kingdom, and this is, I'm talking about my own self because I've done it. I'm not rebuking anybody. I'm just giving you a fact. I see in the, uh, in the kingdom great gifts and great ministries and great things where that becomes the focus of people's lives and they get to a place where they want to do more, but they can't tap into more. It's like running your car and going in the house, leaving your car running. Guess what happens? Battery dies. And it's not that they don't even talk to Jesus. I can't take the battery out of my truck and put a double A battery in and charge my truck run across town. Well, this sounds almost like a striving message, but it's actually not. It's a message of intimacy. It sounds like a work message, but it's not. I don't work for anything. I work from a place, not for a place. I do what I do for Jesus from a place, not for a place in ministry. 
People want the solution to where they are in their relationships and where they are with God and why they're not encountering what they thought they would be encountering or even some of the same things they felt like they should be encountering or not moving into a deeper form of ministry or deeper level of, of supernatural. And they want somebody to come in and give them a revelation. They want somebody to lay hands on them. They, they want to get some divine truth from someplace. And the reality is you just need to sit down with the Holy Spirit and say, here I am, I give up. Do what needs to be done in my marriage. Do what needs to be done in my life. Do what needs to be done. Direct me, Holy Spirit. Give me the gift of wisdom in this season so I can walk this out. It makes life so much easier. It becomes a breeze when you do life with Jesus. It's not that you're not going to have struggles. The only difference is now you have the wisdom to walk through them correctly. Are you okay? These are the three truths. You know me in numbers. This is a triune truth. And they all empower. Let me just show you something about these three things, mindset, worship, and identity. Watch this. Uh, they all empower each other equally. There's three of them because three has the concept of oneness or unity. So you actually are having a relationship. I know you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but you're actually having a relationship with the Godhead. You have a divine relationship. It's with the fullness of the Godhead. So what makes this powerful is this. Watch this now. So it's like that car. You've got all these components, but if you miss this one, it weakens this. You can put mindset, worship, identity. You can switch them around, go identity, worship, mindset. You can go... You know, whatever, whatever order you want to put them in, the reality is they are equal in their power and equal in the power of transformation. They bring fullness. The number three is the number of resurrection. It is the number of divinity in the Bible. In the Jewish culture, three is the number of oneness, fullness, and completeness. You're not mastering anything. You're engaging in everything. It's not about me mastering worship. It's not about me mastering my time with God. It's just about me positioning myself in intimacy. And when these three things begin to grow, they come together as a fourth. And in their completeness, what comes out is the proper mindset, the attitude of worship, which is a lifestyle, and the concept of my real identity in Jesus. We preach these types of messages and sometimes people go, oh, you mean I got to spend time with God? This is such a heavy thing. It's not a heavy thing. It's not a heavy thing for me to hang out with my wife because I'm in love. I hang out with my kids because I love them. I'm trying to challenge you to step into a place where you begin to engage with God and the Spirit because that's the only way you can change the inward man. He is spirit-driven. You're spirit-driven. When you got saved, the Spirit of God became alive in you. You were living according to the spirit of this world. Now you're living according to the spirit of God. It'd be absolutely ridiculous for us not to engage. 
Misplaced worship leads to misplaced mindset, misplaced identity. Misplaced identity leads to misplaced mindset, misplaced worship. Misplaced mindset leads to misplaced worship, misplaced identity. If Jesus walked in tonight, what would your worship look like? It's such a corny saying because he's actually here. That's kind of a groaner illustration, is it really? He's actually here. Holy Spirit, you actually brought him with you. I don't have to come in and say, come Holy Spirit. He's already here. I brought him. Jesus is here. I brought him. There's just something that gets released when we corporately connect. There's an increase of spiritual manifestation. There should be an increase of hunger. The divinity of God. See, there's a difference between knowledge and revelation. Knowledge from the kingdom is always meant to be experiential. So when knowledge becomes experiential, we call it revelation. We call it knowledge revealed. That's what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, you realize that revelation is divine. That's what he mean, Lord, it's divine. He said, revelation, when it comes to maturity, Jamie, is divine. And the word divine means the Godhead. And he said, what happens when revelation and truth, we embrace stuff like I'm talking to you about tonight, when you embrace that and line yourself up with obedience to, what happens is you move into this divine level of growth now where you don't have truth, but you have revelation of truth that you're not experiencing, but that you're actually living out to the fullness. Divine is the fullness of the Godhead. Man, I'm excited about 2024. I think the church is going to come to the plate and we're going to hit a ball that can't be caught and can't be returned. But we all got one. It requires positioning and placement. We're not qualifying for anything. We're just tapping into the voice of the Spirit. We're tapping into the voice of the Spirit. We're tapping into the thoughts and the hearts of God. In Acts, Paul says, he's talking about David, and he says, I have found David. One translation says, and it's in David who has a mind after God. Here's what he said. I saw in David somebody who was after my thoughts. Somebody who was after, it's the word cardia. Somebody who's after my heart. And that has positioned him so that everything that I has planned for him will be fulfilled. You would say, well, pastor, I'm just not feeling fulfilled in all the things God's called me to do in the ministries and the gifts I have. Here's the key. I have found David in David. Why? Because if something doesn't happen in here, we won't fully have representation of it out here. There won't be the fruit that has to come. Transformation for us begins in here. In him, we live 
So in other words, when we're in him, life comes out of it, how we move comes out of it, and how our identity looks comes out of it. He pursues my heart. This word heart is cardia. Here's what he's saying. He pursues my thoughts. I preached on the mind more times and sometimes, I hate to say, sometimes I get revelation from myself and I, I just, I love to complicate it. I like to make it hard because I grew up religious. Let me just say this. You know, the spirit of religious can conform to any place you are in spiritually. Now, let me tell you what happens when we don't have him, the spirit, Jesus in the proper place. Watch this we become comfortable with a certain amount of truth. You know, people, we run into pastors, and you've heard me say this before, and we talk to lots of leaders that we know, and they see what we're doing, and they're still doing what they're doing. And, and they ask, well, what's the hard thing about, you know, I say, well, Darlene always says, well, it's the unlearning. It's the unlearning. It's willing to allow ourselves to be checked and say, okay, I've been doing this, and this is what's been happening. How do I move past that? Here's what religious says. Religion says, I know how to do that. I don't need any more truth. And don't ask me to change my truth because I know my truth. Don't tell me how to worship. I don't know how to do worship. Don't tell me how to pray for sick. I'm, I'm good at praying. Well, how many people have you seen? Only a few. Well, you must be a master at it. Because Jesus healed everybody he came in contact with. Then he put this demand on us, which is just ridiculous, that we would do greater things than him. How does that happen? Because we're in him. We start getting it. Do you know how you know if you're not in a proper place of identity? God tells you to do something and you're terrified. If Josh said to me, will you take me hunting tomorrow? I go, I don't know if I can do that, Josh. I don't know if I want to take into a shot. I just don't know if I, anything could happen. I could shoot you, accidentally kill you. I, I, it's not a good idea, Josh. There's no panic over it. I'm a master hunter. I can find deer where you live and kill them without you even knowing I'm there. It's truth. And I'll leave the guts of them on the back patio so you know I've been there. <laughs> Why is there such a calling in this season? Because the church is coming to the plate. We've got a seat at the table. And this world is so messed up in mentality that we carry the hope. We carry the hope. The closer we get to him, the more we behold him, the more we become like him. Without proper placement, there is no proper response. The Father heart of God is so important to your life. There's nothing has more value than the, the truth of the king and his kingdom. And you can't buy past the king and fully experience the kingdom.
the king is your access to kingdom. Some of you know what it's like to have friends in high places in certain places. Maybe a judge, maybe an investor, maybe financial guy, whatever. You, you've got some people that you can say, I can call so-and-so, and they can pull some strings for me. Without that, you'd be like everybody else, twiggling your thumbs trying to figure out how you're going to move. How many of y'all know the jingle to Mission Impossible? Let me see your hand. Okay, now I want you to, now you, you got stuck. I want to hear you do it. Y'all look at, I wish you would have a hand up. It wasn't me. How many of y'all know the jingle? How does it go? Do it, keep doing it. This is the mission if you choose to receive it. You're not, you got to keep doing it. <laughs> Your mission is to start having another thought. Is to get so entwined with Jesus like David that your thought process begins to cause you to have a different lens. When you think about things differently, you see those things differently. If you don't learn to think about them differently, what if, what if every encounter that you have in life, bad, good, negative, is actually your upgrade? God didn't do it to you. It's just life. It's just it rains on the just and the unjust. You're not being punished. He's not mad at you. But what if your thought process could reach a place where instead of looking at the problem, you begin to look at the promise and that becomes your upgrade to a new level of truth and identity? Well, you could actually, like Paul say, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him. You know, that comes from Paul's mindset. That was Paul's upgrade. I want you to stand. Go ahead and stand. So that's a nugget. So I've said we were in awakening. Listen to this. This definition of awakening. It's arousing from inactivity or indifference. It's arousing from inactivity or difference or indifference. It's the quality fact. Listen to what the word awakening means. It's the quality or fact or state of being. In him, we live, we move, we are. Simple. There's a couple of verses, a couple of things I want to speak over you because we have got a lot We've, we've got to stop letting, letting stuff coexist. You need to hear me. We've got stuff that we're allowing permission to coexist. Fear and faith can't coexist. Unrighteousness and righteousness can't coexist. You hear me? 
Anxiety and worry can't coexist in the kingdom. If you think it's possible for you to do new life with the old man, you're kidding yourself. It stunts your growth. There's so much stuff we're allowing coexist in our life that it's become the number one stumbling block for us personally. We're so focused on the issues and we don't know how to figure them out. And for some reason, I've done it, where I become so blinded that I have access to the throne of wisdom and don't even step into it. Don't even engage with it. Noah's been preaching on righteousness. If you don't know you're righteous by now, you're not listening. So we're giving you the invitation to, to dive in and discover your identity. And there's a part of me that you may not like it, but I kind of want to grab you like that kid that doesn't want to go and just carry you with me anyway. And put your head in the well and say, drink. Drink. It's time to drink something you've never drank before. God's calling us to the table to sit down. There's a feast before us in truth and discovery that we've never stepped into because we've got things out of order, misplaced, that have to be shifted around. Jesus said in Luke and John, he said, I'm going to send you the comforter. Watch this. And he will guide you Me, you, you, you. He will guide you into all truth. He didn't say, I'll send Jamie Chant and I'll use the comforter in him and he will guide you. We teach, we equip, we fulfill our, we try to fulfill our office that God's called us to with all of our heart. But the reality is at some point you have to be involved. Now watch this. And then he says, because if you're waiting on a prophetic voice, he will show you who he's put truth in you, what that looks like out there. We, we've forsaken that verse. We get a word from the Lord, then we want a word from somebody else. Or we get a word from somebody. We're walk, driving around the planet looking for a word. I'm okay with it. I go hear speakers. I have speakers. I'm not preaching against that. I'm saying when we depend on that, when that is your only drive, your source of water, where you come in feeble and you're, you're drained and somebody else has to come up and just look you in the face and breathe something into you for a short period of time. So this is a scripture. I got to close. Let me just read this scripture to you. Philippians 2 and 5. This is a mirror Bible. I love it. It says, the way Jesus saw himself is the only valid way to see yourself. Let me say that again. Got to get the valid in there. The way Jesus saw himself is the only valid way. Here's what he's saying. There's no other way. And you cannot see him 
without connecting to the Spirit. Your spirit, the spirit of God in you is what transforms your heart and transforms your thoughts. That's, that's it. I've, I've thought a lot about renewal. I've taught a lot about the renewal of the mind. The Lord said, it's that simple, Jamie. People will connect to the Holy Spirit. They'll be transformed here. It'll move to here. Your soul man, which is your conscience, your mind, your will, and your emotions, has to be submitted to the spirit. If you try to live in the Spirit with those areas of your life not submitted to the guidance and the connection of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be like the guy in James. You're double-minded. You're unstable, dubious, and that does not mean smoking doobies. Dubious, unwise, unconnected, and anything you ask for is probably not going to happen. So God's pulling us in. This is exciting. Because I get to hear from you about the people you prayed for at work and got healed. I get to hear your encounters. Hey, Pastor, you're not going to happen to me Wednesday. Wednesday, I just thought I'd go spend 10 minutes with God. And all of a sudden, three hours later, I was coming too and got this divine impartation from the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that awakens us. He awakens us. What does that look like us for right now? What does that look like? I mean, just be honest with yourself. I had to be honest with myself all week. Lord, what have I put in the wrong place? I look around this room. In this room is, this room right now is full of upgrades. Some of us have had encounters with God. We've had experiences with God. We've heard the voice of God, but we've never embraced the upgrade. We always just want the promise or we just want to fix the problem, but we never ever step into the real upgrade of the problem, what Jesus was wanting to reveal to us about him for us and in us. So we're like, we're, we're kind of get like Israel. We have to do, we have to walk around the same mountain. Hopefully not for 40 years. I have to revisit the journey. I hate, I'm gonna tell you, I hate teaching stuff over and over and over and over again. But I'll preach this message every Sunday till you get it. Noah's doing it with righteousness. I love it. Noah's, I, what, are you, what are you preaching on Sunday? Righteousness. So what are you preaching next? Righteousness. This room is full of upgrades, spiritual upgrades. Hmm. What's that look like for us? I keep going back to that. The Lord keeps saying, hey, who do I wanna be for you in this situation? My favorite saying is, who do I wanna be for you that I've never been before? I love that invitation from the Holy Spirit. Who do you want me to be for you that I've never been before? Just close your eyes. I want to pray over you. So, Father, I thank you for your word. And this, this, is, this is such a beautiful invitation. It's not a condemning word. It's, it's not a shaming word. You're just awakening us to the reality of our need for you. You're awakening us to the reality of your proper placement in our life. 
And Father, I don't know what's going on in everybody's life here. I, I've known I've had to cast down some idols these last couple of weeks. I've had to ask the Holy Spirit to take some things. I've had to ask uh, some things to get off the throne so I could put Jesus back on the throne of my life. And I pray, Father, right now that you'll begin the process that everyone in this house will accept the mission to begin to get more intimate with you and allow you to affect the mind and the heart that will produce what sonship looks like on the inside and the manifestation of the fruit of that identity on the outside. Where the people we work with will want what we have. They'll sense your love, they'll sense your goodness, they'll sense your grace, they'll sense your power. Just take a minute right where you are, right where you are and just tell them how much you love him. Anybody thankful? Tell them how much you love him. Declare to him how good he is for you. This wasn't supposed to happen, Lord, but you let it happen. It was a desire of my heart in your goodness and your love for me. You've been so kind. some altar people here I think anybody ministering at the altar tonight if you are come on up amen is anybody else Josh you're going to be busy were you guys on altar ministry tonight come on so um, I'm going to pray it just a small prayer over you, and then you can bring any needs you have, any questions you have. I'm going to pray a prayer over you. And uh, <laughs> it's going to be fun. You ready? Put your hands out, and you'll receive it. Father, I bless your people with hunger. No matter what time of the day, no matter where they are, let them be hit with an overwhelming sense of your presence and the need to engage. Let them recognize your voice so simple that, Father, you begin to make them realize that there's nothing, there's no advantage the enemy ever has over them. They can be in divine health, mentally, physically, spiritually. Let them embrace those engagements. Let there be a, a transformation that takes place in their thinking, in their heart, in their mind. Hmm. Just say, Father, I receive that engagement. Come on, say it. Say, I receive that awakening. In Jesus' name.